welcome to our special episode of Hita Command Podcast. We just got finished wrapping up season one, and we went to you, everybody out there, for some questions that we are going to go over today. So I'm one of your hosts, Kyle, and with me is Carrie, and we are really looking forward to going over some of your questions and diving deep into some of the stuff that we've been talking about through season one. Uh, We really hope that it got your brains thinking a little bit and looking at leadership from a different perspective and what we can do better to really progress our industry and our social circles and everything around us to just become more influential leaders. So uh, wrapping up season one has been fun. We look forward to season two, which will launch just after the holiday season. And we will get right into it with some questions from our viewers. Super exciting. A bonus episode. Yeah, it's crazy that we're already here. Uh, it's exciting and kind of how this thing has feet and where it's going to go and what we have planned for the future is uh, really exciting. So uh, we're, we're just thankful for everybody listening. And, you know, it's because of you that we keep get to keep doing this. And we just ask that you keep sharing our message and getting it out there because we really feel passionate about this and think it really help, will help our industry in the fire service. And not just that, but our personal lives. You know, everything we talk about isn't just for the fire service, but it's for us to grow as people and constantly grow and learn. And with that, we know we just create better environments for everybody that we surround ourselves with. So please share our message and, and get us more listeners because uh, with that, we just could keep going and keep driving this message home. So let's start off with our first question. Uh, again, we had some viewers reach back and ask us some questions, and we Thank have quite a few. Doing that. Yes, <laughs> Thank yes. you to those of you that did. It's super exciting to get a text or a call from listeners um, that know us or um, reach out on the platforms. I can't see a lot of the stuff on the platforms because Kyle's the mastermind on that end of things. So those of you that have called and texted me, it means so, so much. And I, I have to say that, take some time to say that. So it's led to some great, great discussions with some people around me in my circle. So thank you. Yeah. And it helps us uh, really nail down the direction and where we want to go because we want to provide the information that you're all looking for and really have these tough conversations that matter and make a difference. So without further ado, uh, we'll get into our first question, and this is no particular order. Our first question we got was, how do you identify when you are the problem leader? And this is kind of a tough one because, you know, this is the big idea of what introspection is and how do you identify when you yourself are that are the issue how do you even know you're the issue is really what it comes down to yeah i think uh one of the episodes we talked a little bit about this i think we may have just breezed over it but for me i i think when i when i think about some of the people that i've had a hard time working with or I've watched interact with others. If if you ask yourself, what are my relationships like at work? And are most of them strained? Or are a lot of them strained? Or is there a lot of tension in a lot of the conversations I'm having? So that is how I would start to look at it. So if you're the type of person that's frustrated, not just frustrated, but I, I, I want to use a different word. If you're the type of person that feels angry um, or that everyone else around you is to blame or everyone else around you is doing a bad job, uh, you it might be you. 
you might want to look at yourself and and say why why are my relationships so difficult and what can i do differently to to approach this and what can i do to take some some ownership of some of this or talk to people differently does that make sense oh yeah i you know this sits close to home cuz it's almost like what I went through and how I realized that I was a problem uh, when it comes to leadership and how to be effective and respected and all sorts of things. But before we get into that, you know, I look at this question just from the surface and a, a lot of people that listen to podcasts like this and leadership podcasts and read the leadership books are the ones most of the time that don't need to be doing that, you know, oh, that's they, true. They, mm-hmm. they want to better themselves and they do whatever they can to do that. And it's the people that we want to reach that we want to have listen to this and that we want to, you know, uh, recommend books for them to read that don't because they think they have it all figured out already and they don't think any work needs to be done. So, you know, it's really a, a challenge to identify this stuff in yourself and then to do the work to try and improve upon. Now, for me, it was a, a, a lot of personal stuff that was happening in my personal life that, you know, I had this aha moment of this isn't working for me. And, you know, in the industry, I, in our industry, in the fire service, you know, you get pegged a certain way. And your personality, regardless of if it changes or not, sticks with you from day one. So it's, I think it's hard to change in our environment because it's not uh, popular to support that. You know, you are the way you are regardless. And, you know, we lack some ability to allow people to progress and grow. And, you know, that's kind of the area I found myself in. So, you know, how getting to the point of identifying it yourself, a lot of times, you know, you read quotes and you read stuff in books. It's like, what is your rock bottom? What is that scenario or thing that happens in your life to make you open your eyes and realize, hey, I might be the problem. You know, one of the biggest things that we discussed in, uh, I think, our blame game uh, episode is you have to start taking an introspective look at everything, you know, whether you think you're the problem or not, just look at how your actions or inactions are part of a problem or a solution and realize your personal accountability to that. And that's how you start identifying your weaknesses and really understanding and then starting to really show that humility and doing the work to uh, not be that problem leader anymore. Yeah. And I would say too, if if you get a lot of complaints about your interactions or I, I've seen coworkers and I've seen, well, not, not just coworkers in my department, but all over where, you know, people are trying to tell you or, or maybe there's, you know, big complaints coming up, but it's never your fault. It's, you know, well, it's this person is this, or it's this person's that. And, and if, if you take the second to go, all right, this person is trying to tell me something and there may be ownership on both parties, right? But what I am making someone feel a certain way and what, what can I do about that? You know, I, I see that sometimes and it's like people are complaining about your behavior or the way you treat people and, and, and you don't want to do anything about it. It's heartbreaking. Yeah, it's really interesting. And from the vantage point, you know, of who asked this question, and then it's like, how do we get people to identify 
they might have problems. And especially with the rank structure and your concern about insubordination for saying too much or putting it out there. I think it's two things. One, it's being open to having the tough conversations because those are meant for both people to improve on, you know? So it's breaking down those barriers and those defenses that quickly get thrown up and I'm a lieutenant, I'm a captain, I'm a chief, so this is it and you can't talk to me like that. You know, we have to break that. And then number two is if you want somebody to identify that they are the problem, you have to be that example. You know, you just can't expect people to change willy-nilly without any influence or any example. So you be that example. And that's how you get someone else to change to where they can see what you're doing. Is it working or not? Uh, And that's the tough part, right? Because a lot of times you might go through those changes, be that example, and you get discredited, you know, you get shunned and you get, uh, you know, pigeonholed down a different road that you're not intending, but they start seeing a strength in you and they're going to try and just put you down further. So that's kind of a dynamic that can happen. So, so it makes it a very challenging spot to be in, to try and be that example and forge ahead and stay strong and courageous to, uh, you know, try to shift a culture and shift people into realizing that, hey, you might be part of the problem. I'll help you, you know, achieve success. Uh, Just kind of follow what I'm doing, but a very tough spot to be. Yeah. And if you're looking at it, you know, talking about it that, that way too, if you need to be the person to get someone else to change, for me, I like to come at it as this is how this is making me feel. So it's not a you know, you're not blaming, you're not going right in there blaming somebody for their actions, but you're saying, this is, this is how I feel when, or I know that's, that sounds like marriage advice, but, but, you know, when you, when, when this happened, this is how I felt and, and then sit on it, let it be for a while and and give that person time to think about, you know, what you came to them with. Yeah. So I, I like that you brought up, give it time, you know, it's, it's being that example uh, doing what you want other people to do, uh, and, and then be patient with it, you know, and, and mm-hmm. that's the challenging road to be on. So, you know, that's a great question. It's a very loaded question. It's a very challenging uh, aspect to try and get somebody to identify that they are the problem leader, and especially in our industry. Yeah. And and I think what happens sometimes when when you have a situation like that, it doesn't get addressed till it's so heated and everybody is so defensive and then nobody wants to do anything. So if you address it in a calm way of this is how I feel and this is how it's affecting my performance and and then, you know, let it sit for a while rather than waiting till it's like, you're such a jerk and why do you always treat people? And then that person's defensive and no one's changing. Yeah. Yeah. And I think we find a lot of that in our world today. Um, yeah. So it's it's a lot of work and it's a challenging, challenging place to be in. So uh, continuing on and kind of a, a good bridge into our next question. So as a new leader, where do I start to shift a toxic culture? Uh, oh, that's so hard. Um, uh, starting simple is and this is something my husband taught me, my husband's a company officer, and I've said that before, is there's nothing, almost nothing, that admin can do over in the White Castle, the ivory tower, 
it can affect me so much day to day at a fire station to ruin my day. You know, almost nothing. So the as a company, you have the ability to have so much fun at work and to train and to make everybody really good at their jobs and to do individual training to get everybody where they need to be and and just to to really do whatever you want basically within you know some, some rules there but there's not a whole lot it's like if admin's changing a policy or you know and I get mandatory overtime and all that is terrible right now for so many people so that sucks but if you come to work with a positive outlook on you know I can make this day fun I can get to know my coworkers and have a good time at work. And I, I think that's where you start. Yeah. I, I think it's controlling what you can control, you know, yeah. and, and we look at authenticity and introspection and it's, you know, what's my action, what's my inaction or what's my attitude toward, toward something I have no control over. And, and that's where it starts. I mean, plain and simple is control what you can control and have a positive outlook and trying to be optimist optimistic in in your approach uh easier said than done right i think in in some organizations where it can be extremely toxic and it's been that way for years and years and years and to try and break that cycle is a very challenging spot to be in uh but that's where it starts i mean you have to start there and you have to be able to be patient with the process yeah and you know if you're if you're listening and you're a company officer man this is this is your this is it. This is what you can influence so much. The company officers are the the heart of every organization. And I believe that. And you you affect the culture of your whole department. And if you're coming to work and dragging everybody down or not, you know, rallying everybody together, that's where the culture's coming from. It's coming from the company officers. And so look at that and, and your responsibility in that. And the other thing I would say, and this is probably because of the role I've had in, in my department for so long is your fire chiefs are trying so hard. I And I think of them as human beings because I think sometimes people, it's a, sometimes it's a lack of understanding. And I was there. I was definitely there of why would they do this or and try to find out. Like if you don't understand why something is happening or not happening, a lot of times it's people are most, you know, toxic or negative about what the inaction find out what you know ask questions and find out like what what is your department doing to correct some of these things that you're that you're that aren't great or that you don't love and see and that i i can almost guarantee and i know for sure where around where i am is people are trying so hard to make it better and they're not doing things purposely to make things terrible for you. They're human beings and they're, they're trying to do the right thing. Yeah. And in full disclosure, you know, I, I think it's kind of cool to be here and be able to answer these questions. Cause some of this stuff, you know, we live through and, you know, as a company officer myself, it's, you know, is shifting a culture. It could be very challenging. And there's days, you know, you go into work and you're just, you're not having it regardless of what's going on. And, you know, it's hard to overcome sometimes. And that's where it, it's important to have a good support system in your favor. And a lot of times that could be away from the firehouse or with internally, but to have a good support system to help you through uh, some of those tough times in your head where you're not feeling motivated or you're not optimistic and you just kind of want to, uh, 
be passively employed is a term I, <laughs> I, I heard, which is, you know, sometimes you do, sometimes you just want to check out and be like, all right, I'm just going to do my time. I'm going to retire and be good. Um, that's the easy road. And we're not always meant for that easy road. And we got to face these challenges head on, but it is hard, you know, and, and it's not the easiest thing. It's easy for us to sit behind these microphones and talk about it, but to put these things into action takes a lot of patience, a lot of determination and perseverance to overcome some of this stuff. So I, I understand the challenges and I, I completely respect those that are up for the challenge and understand that, you know, you're going to have your good days and your bad days. And some days you can't, it's hard for you to go in all excited and, and motivated um, just because of some of the things that are surrounding you, but stay the course, you know, and, and that's the biggest thing, what your end goal is and understand that you're going to have strengths and weaknesses, ups and downs. And it's just, maintaining the journey, staying on it and staying the course. Yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting for the two of us. I, I like that we have different perspectives, different perspectives in our departments, different perspectives in what our jobs are right now. So, you know, sometimes our, our answers are probably very, very different yeah. just because of, you know, what we're experiencing. Which makes everything so much better though. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's yeah like, absolutely. Cool. So moving on from that, uh, we have another question. How do you handle an employee uh, that is old enough to be your parent? So essentially, how do you lead a, a, a baby boomer as a brand new young captain? And that's a, uh, that's a great question. Yeah, I, I love that question. And I had a discussion with someone about this. And a lot of what we talk about throughout this podcast can be, you can use for this, but I have a first kind of a personal example. When I very first got promoted to captain, I was a young captain and I was going to a crew. I wasn't sure like how it was going to go, of course. And I had a couple of employees there, one of which was a whole lot older than me. And he was a kind of known as like a critic. He was a tough guy. And I was like, as a young captain, he is going to give me the business. And I was, I thought he would be my most difficult employee. And then I had another, um, employee that was younger that I thought that'll be easy and we'll, we'll get along great. And it ended up being the opposite. And the way I handled it and the way I think someone could handle this is when you go in, someone's a whole lot older than you use their expertise. If they've been doing it a long time, or they've obviously, you know, have a ton of life experience ask them for their opinion and be honest. Hey, I know I'm brand new and I know I'm young and I know I have a lot to learn. So a lot of humility, uh, a lot of being willing to say, I don't know, but I will find out, especially if you don't know the answer or don't know what to do. Uh, being very honest and transparent about that, I think helps, but getting them on board by utilizing their knowledge and their experience and ask them, hey, how would you have handled this? Or, hey, um, what have your supervisors in the past done that you liked? Or what have your supervisors done in the past that you didn't like? Because there's so much experience there. Yeah, I think as we gain experience and years on the job, and it's in any industry, you'd get more set in your ways. And we see that. And I think as a young leader, it's having a conversation. And a lot of times it can be a tough conversation of somebody who is senior um, and 
you know, has years on and is maybe close to retirement, but it's having a conversation on letting them know where you're at and why you are there. You know, like this is who I am. This is what I'm about. This is what I see the future of this organization. How can you help me get there? Because you might not have the same outlook and I'm fine with that. Uh, but through your experiences, how can we do this? Because I need you, you know, and especially if they are, you know, one of the higher respected uh, older generation and you want them in your corner, it's it's that, hey, I need you. I need your influence. This is the outlook I have. It's different than what you're used to, uh, but this is why I have it. Things have changed. You know, our industry's changed. The people coming in have changed. This is what I see as a need. Uh, and I understand it's not the world you grew up in, but I need your help to get there. So let's have this conversation on how we can use each other's strengths to build the team. I love that. I really do. So, yeah, it's, you know, a lot of times when it comes to a lot of these questions, you know, we go over it, it's really having conversations. You know, yes. a lot of times it's just these expectations are there or we just peg a generation for being a certain way and it is what it is or it's the way we've always done it and we hear all these things, but yet you can have one simple conversation and a lot of things can change. Uh, but it's going into those conversations prepared to listen is the big thing and not be defensive. If the end goal is to, you know, grow the organization and be progressive, uh, break down your defenses, listen and have a good open conversation because that has the power to change everything, uh, that we talk about. Yeah, I, it, it is, it is all about the conversations because that same, um, older employee that I had as a brand new captain, I, I screwed up big time with him when I first um, was assigned there. And I kind of reprimanded him, didn't mean to in, in front of a bunch of people. And I could tell I had screwed up right away. And I immediate, well, I gave it some time for him to cool off. And I went to him and I basically, you know, I screwed up. I know I screwed up and I will not do that again. And that was a learning experience for me as a new captain. And I will not let this experience happen again. And that's, it's the conversations that have to be, if, if you, if I would have walked away knowing I made a mistake and never saying something about it, our relationship would have been ruined. Yeah. Your illustration right there was spot on. We, we talk about the word vulnerability and I think if you're going to be a great leader, you need to be vulnerable. Now, that's not saying we need to let out all our deepest, darkest secrets and our uh, worst mistakes that we've made. But if you're especially a, a new leader uh, leading somebody older, it could help. Uh, if you want to try and shift a toxic culture, it can help. And it's being vulnerable. It's letting people know like, hey, I make mistakes. These are my weaknesses. I need your help in improving those weaknesses. I need your help because that's your strength. So can you help me there? But it's showing people like, hey, I'm not perfect. I know I have shortcomings. Uh, but as a, an effective team, we can, we can you know, overcome these obstacles. So that's the approach we need to take. But a lot of times, you know, we see that, people have a hard time, um, you know, talking about their weaknesses or thinking that, you know, they've made it so they're good and there's no more work that needs to be done. So it's that vulnerability. I made a mistake. I own it. I have that conversation. And then from that, that's where growth happens. That is where, you know, it, the, 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 the key is to, to all this. And, and to go a little a step further is, it, but your behavior has to change as well because you can be willing and I've seen this too where 
you know, people willing to, I'm sorry, I screwed up. I'm sorry, I screwed up. But your actions have to mimic it. So if I would have said, hey, I'm sorry, I, I have learned that my mistake and I, that was a life lesson for me and I would have continued to do that, I would have lost that person very quick. So the behavior has to match the words too. Yeah, great point. Great point there. And just a conversation is not going to change it. It's also a change in behavior. But it's, again, for the goal of, of, you know, being progressive and building a stronger, better uh, environment is what it comes down to. So now to shift the the discussion a little bit. This is a question I get often and it's, it's, uh, it's, it makes me laugh a little bit every time I hear it, but it's a, I think it's a valid question to ask. And, you know, our season three is going to be all wrapped into how does this stuff apply to our actual job of fighting fires and extrication and doing our job, actually doing our job. So how does all this stuff that we talk about introspection, authenticity, leadership, how does that make you better at fighting fires? <laughs> uh, oh, I, I have two answers. So, or two thoughts. I have lots of thoughts, but two thoughts that relate to this. Uh, the first is, I'm going to go with my simple thought is sometimes it doesn't relate. And, but we're not completely always talking about that because so much of our job is not fighting fire, right? Uh, like a ton of it. And Retention and recruitment is not about fighting fire a lot. It's about how you treat people at work, how you motivate them, how you empower them, how you develop them, how you mentor them, how you train. It's all those things. Um, so I'd say some of it's not, it's not related, uh, but it's just as important because if you have no people to come to work, you have no people to fight fire, right? <laughs> so my second thought is, for me, when I did the work um, on myself and I became comfortable in my values, and I've said this before on this podcast, when I learned my values and I understood what I stood for and I, um, on the flip side, also was competent in my role as a company officer, uh, that it made my decision-making so much better. I was competent and I knew myself. And so my confidence was uh, really good. And so when I could pull up on any incident, I was confident that I knew myself and my crew well enough that I could, I, we could figure anything out. And so I would say for me, it made my decision making better, which made me much better on every emergency scene. Yeah, I, th- I, I think you pretty much hit everything. And I, I really have very little to add to any of that. You know, I really didn't think about where it doesn't, what, what you first talked about, how it doesn't relate, um, but how it relates to recruitment and retention and how we lead people, empowering. I, I, though that was a great point. You know, and actually, we, we look at, a lot of times that question gets posed from a later generation, more senior people within the industry. And I understand it. You know, I, I really get it. At, but a lot has also changed in our industry since in the time I've been in, from the way we fight fires to the responsibilities required of us from hazardous materials, technical rescue, dive, fire investigations, EMS. You know, every time there's a new responsibility in society, it usually falls on the fire department, right? Mm-hmm. When people have an issue that they don't know who to call, who do they call? They call us. So our job entails so much more. 
You know, and I know there is a lot to fighting fires, right? From reading smoke, where the fire's at, how to make an attack. Like, I, I completely understand that. But at the end of the day, to fight a fire is we have to put water on fire and then it goes out. You know, that is a very basic definition of what it is we do. So to make us better at that is to have the confidence, to have the composure to uh, maintain an effective ability while on a fire ground and to be willing to learn and grow and train to become a better firefighter. And that's where all these things matter is in that arena. So we have the confidence, we have the ability, we have the composure to make tough decisions. We don't micromanage. We work well as a team. And that's everything that we talk about. And that's what matters a lot on the fire ground is that cohesiveness, that trust, that respect, and that we get the job done. Now, to take it a step further, I I like this question too, because we look at, we talk about empathy and compassion. And when we're going to fight a fire, that's somebody's house burning, you know, and there's a lot of young guys out there and we might all be guilty of it as well. You know, when we're first getting on the job and when you get your first structure fire, like you're high five in, you're excited, but that's somebody's livelihood burning down. So if we can start building empathy and compassion in ourselves for the people we work with, and then it's also for the people that we respond to, uh, because it shouldn't be that exciting of a, a thing for us to do. It should be a job that we have to do, an unfortunate job that we have to do, but then it's having that empathy and compassion for the people in which we serve. So I think it's you know this whole full circle thing, and it's becoming a well-rounded individual, not just somebody who charges in and puts water on a fire, and then you know we go home high five and call it a day. It's just evolved so much more over the last thirty years, and it's just giving a different look at it. And I'm gonna take this a little further too. Let's say you have a crew, you get to a crew, your supervisor, and they're kind of a mess, and. Um, tactically there or performance wise, they're not solid. Um, and you don't do any of the work to figure out why, and you don't do any of the work, uh, to figure out what they need to be successful individually to get them to where they need to be. You just come in there and say, these people are terrible and we're going to train, 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 train. Okay. Well, someone else might've tried that approach, but there's a reason something's going on there. It, it may just, may just be one person on your crew, but this is how it relates to firefighting is if you haven't taken the time to develop your people and find out what they need to be successful and make them a good firefighter, they got to, you know, throw ladders, they have to pull hose efficiently, all, you know, all the simple things that go into it. But that's how it relates is each individual person and collectively as a crew, um, you have to do the work to, to find out what they need. Because you're going to have, everybody has their weaknesses and you everybody wants to work on them so or they don't but you figure out how to how to help yeah absolutely so uh, again we want to thank everybody for you know giving us some questions to have a quick little discussion about and drop this uh, bonus episode here to wrap up our season one uh and going forward we got some exciting stuff coming up in the beginning of uh 2024 can't believe we're at that year already uh carrie you want to let us know what we got going on Sure. Uh, Kyle and I will both be presenting at Teeks at the Leadership Symposium in San Marcos, Texas, January uh, 8th through the 10th. Is that when we're there? Yep. I think we're speaking on the night. When are we speaking? Uh, we're speaking on the 8th. On the 8th. Thank you, Kyle. Um, I don't have my calendar in front of me. So we're always, always thankful for Teeks. Um, this is our second year there. And that's kind of how 
we got rolling with this. Um, February, we'll be at the Virginia Fire Rescue Conference, uh, also known as the Virginia Fire Chiefs Conference in Virginia Beach, Virginia, um, third week of February. We, um, if we can pull it off, we hope to do a podcast recording from the Chiefs Conference and maybe uh, interview some participants and some other speakers from there. So we look forward to that. Uh, what else we have? Um, April, I will be at FDIC presenting for their Women in Fire Conference and for the regular FDIC conference. So um, that's the 14th through the 20th of April. Pretty exciting start to the new year. Uh, and then yeah. season two will kick off uh, either January 8th or January 15th. Uh, season two is going to be filled with uh, episodes and we're going to be going over generational specifics. So we're going to look at each generation that's in the workplace right now, and we're going to kind of explain why they are the way they are, look at some different things on how we can lead them appropriately, what they need, uh, what they respond well to. And a lot of that's going to be generalities, but I think it's good, going to be a good discussion to have. Uh, and then after that, we're looking at doing a season on kind of the tactics of firefighting and uh, incident command and how all this stuff that we talk about really portrays to uh, leading people, but then how it allows us to be better incident commanders and, and lead incidents. So we got some pretty good things coming up here in 2024, and I'm really excited about them. Yeah, I'm excited to start um, getting some guest speakers on here. I think that'll add a whole new element. Yeah, that's going to be fun, and, and I really look forward to that. So to wrap up our season one, our bonus episode, uh, we hope you enjoyed it. Again, if you got questions, comments, things you want to share with us, things you'd like to hear us talk about, uh, it really helps us, you, you know, get uh, in a direction for us to, you know, talk about things you want to hear about. And then if you could just do us a favor and spread our message far and wide, uh, the more listeners we get, the better it is for us, and, and we can... Uh, spread this message further and wider so to log off for the last time on season one this is pretty exciting we'll see you in 2024 we hope to see everybody in texas and virginia uh, for season one and for carrie i'm kyle and we'll see you in 2024